or Jiben began discussing last time was the relationship between Zrizus, the first step of gaining spiritual connection and the things which oppose it. And the way the Ramchal put it was that he divided up three major categories of opposition and defined them as Bakoshis Amanucha Gufnis the pursuit of physical rest, the sinas the hatred of effort, the avas ayudunim tashim and the love of pleasure. Important to distinguish between physical rest and the search for physical rest. Effort and the hatred of effort, in having pleasure and the love of pleasure. In other words. Those things are negative. It's not negative for a person to have pleasure. It's not negative for a person to rest. It's negative when those become an end and not a means. The pursuit of implies that this is something I'm going towards. This is something I'd like to achieve. If I'm trying to achieve, what what I'd really like to achieve is physical rest. That's what I'm going for. I want to strive. I want to strive to I can get to the level where I can sleep all day. That's unhealthy. If I'm striving for a situation where I find the notion of hard work abhorrent. I tried all costs to avoid it. I fundamentally disagree with the notion that I should actually put effort into things. That's unhealthy. Sometimes a person needs to rest though. And if I understand that pursuit of pleasure is something valuable in its own right, not as a facilitator for something else, so then it's destructive. But then again, it doesn't mean a person shouldn't rest, a person shouldn't take a break of work, and a person shouldn't have pleasure, because those things are very appropriate when they're used in a context. But when they're used as an end, that's when they become destructive, and that's when they start to pile up a lot of extra earth, offer on ourselves and therefore they weigh us down and we can't we lose we lose the freedom of movement. Now there's a particular powerful particularly powerful line which describes the consequence of becoming prey to these habits in the Ramchal and he says the following thing and a person that accustoms himself to these ways of behavior. He's not the master of himself to do otherwise when he chooses. In other words, he loses his basic sense of self-mastery. When a person becomes habituated in a particular behavior and then he has to let go of that behavior when the power of the behavior becomes so strong he can no longer relinquish it. And it becomes extremely limiting in terms of what a person can do in his life. 
he has to sleep in a particular kind of bed. Otherwise, otherwise he can't sleep. He can't, he can't go to that place because the beds, the pillow isn't right for him. I'm saying these, 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 these are true, true things which people demand. And, and I'm, not, I'm not arguing that and I'm, I'm the same, but it's jolly limiting. It doesn't allow you to do much. Well, I suppose the more you have of those, the less you can do. So the person that has to have a certain standard of food, he can only go to a place where that standard of food is. And therefore, well, he can't go out hiking in the bush for two weeks because he's not going to have his dinner. An extreme case. So what happens is, you're, you become... Listen how he goes on further. He says, so first of all, he describes the notion of you lose your sense of self-mastery. You are no longer in control. You come up with an idea that you'd like to pursue, but then you think, oh, I can't do that because it will interfere with my nap. So you actually lose the dominion of self. And an idea, a want, a value that you'd like to incorporate in your life, you just have to hold up your hand and say, well, I can't because I'm not in charge of my own life. There are other things that are running my life for me. Look at his words. Nesar is a, is, is a verb which describes your rotsoin, your will has been bound up. It's been chained. In your habit which has become second nature. So what happens is we become, we start off things quite innocently and then it becomes a habit and then we become, in the modern parlance, addicted. And addictions are really horrid things. Now we know addictions in, in we know how horrid addictions are in the, in the in the world of drug addiction or alcohol addiction. Then it's it's really scary. People try to withdraw and they try to regain control over their lives. It's it's hell on earth. These hell on earth. It may mean that they have to be chained up the experience, the physiological experiences that they go through, the emotional experiences that they go through, they have a sense of loss, like they've lost their life. It's, it's brutal. It's brutal, brutal, brutal. Um, and we, we have it on a much less intense level. Um, but we can also experience it if we want to, if we want to play around with our addictions. Um, we were discussing previously the notion of recreational eating. I think we said that food in the modern world has become somewhat of an addiction. And if a person tries to withdraw from food, you'll experience withdrawal symptoms. I'm, I, I'll explain to you what I've done the last week. What I've done this entire week, and I think I'm I'm really good for doing it. What I've done for the last week is I've stopped drinking tea. You have no idea. <laughs> Hell on earth. Hell on earth. I gave up my tea. Hell. Hell. I've had a headache for four days. Why did you do it? Sorry? Why did you do it? Caffeine's not healthy. Caffeine, so you did without caffeine? Okay, I mean, tea without caffeine, is like I'm saying. It's like soccer without the ball. But everybody says that tea is healthy. 
Yeah, okay. I'm, listen, I've so got my. for you? Yeah, for, I've got my Meshugasim. I mean, <laughs> I've got. No, I, I, I was like, I was I, I, I don't want you to have. I, I don't want to be so reliant on caffeine. I, I, the point is, now that I've stopped doing it, now I see how reliant I was. I've had no energy the entire week. Because whenever, whenever the energy laps, I just have another cup of tea. So me meant that I had to have at least 16 cups of tea a day. You have no idea what they did to the digestive system. I'm joking, not 16 cups. I, but I, I, w- I was drinking a lot of tea because whenever I have an energy lull, boom, another cup of tea. So then you feel, you feel like that's, that's, again, it's a very mild, I'm not saying that it's heroin. <laughs> but it's, there was real withdrawal. I was astonished. I was shocked. But gosh, it's liberating. I feel that I don't have to do it. So I think this is a point that I'd like to focus on, and I think it's very relevant to Zuzus. It's called want flexibility. That I'm able to do things which don't conform to my natural daily schedule and don't fit in to my expected circle of interest and ideas. In other words, the minute we become fixed in a given behavior, we become closed in and unable to shift it. And as a result, as people, we can go become more and more rigid as we age. And our habits and needs become more and more specified as we become older and more pedantic until eventually we can reach the age of 70 where if there's one minute thing wrong with the lighting in a room, I can't go to that place. Or if the smell isn't identical to the one I would like, I'm not willing to step foot in there. So what happens is the person, as he grows older, shrinks and shrinks and shrinks in the emotional sense until the only place where it's appropriate for him to live is in this precisely well-designed, perfectly suited to his specific persona area. And beyond that, you lose all freedom. You become a prisoner of yourself. You no longer are in charge. All these things become your wardens. And you're in their prison. And that's horrible. I don't want that to happen. So I have to start to create world flexibility. Gary J. What what defines who I am is if I have the capacity to choose to do otherwise. So then I can say I'm choosing. I'm only. I'm. 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 Again, that's precisely the point. Running doesn't define you. Something else defines you, and therefore you choose to run. If running defines you, so then you've lost it. Did I tell you about the book that I saw in a second-hand books, bookstore? And I wasn't surprised. No, no, that, that's a great book. I wasn't surprised that there was a, there was a, this, this book was in a second-hand bookstore and not on someone's shelf. It was How to Cure Yourself of an Exercise Addiction. <laughs> <laughs> For all of those who like ready, fit and running, we can get you out of it. I know people who have the, the addiction. No, it is a real addiction. It's a real, people a can person would rather go to gym than go davening. Well, it becomes an addiction where you'd rather do anything. You get, you get, you get ex- I know, I mean, again, the book's not popular, but, but <laughs> because it's, pro- it's probably, it's probably... It's a lot of comparison. 
No, it's, 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 it's probably people become addicted, and you see that certain sportsmen will injure themselves because of their addictions. I'm not saying you, Mordecai, I don't think it's an addiction. But you see people who, who run when they're not, you know, there's, there's a lot of incidents of, yeah, of people who've got myocarditis, right? And he got drunk and he didn't feel well and he still went to exercise and he hurt himself. And then he again went to exercise because he was, yeah. Well, I think there are two problems, right? The drinking and the exercise. But at least, uh, at least a com- <laughs> kind of myocarditis, runners die of heart attacks because they have a cold and they get an infection in the, what's it, in the lining of the heart. Dodgy. I hold by it, because it's asymptomatic. I've seen things... Ash! Do you want me to tell you how your own robot should be? First of all, first of all, Ash, I, 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 I'm happy to, listen, I'm happy to admit I'm wrong, because, uh, because I'm working on this particular thing now, so luckily the, the book's open in front of me, otherwise I would never even... Myocarditis, cause of death in runners? Hockham. Hockham, which is an asymptomatic overgrowth of a myocardium often found in athletes leading to arrhythmias and sudden death. Okay. Nothing to do with myocarditis. You did say the word myo something in there, didn't you? That's the one. Myopathy. <laughs> it's close. <laughs> you can run when you have a cold with it, so. Can you? It could be a machlekas. I don't know. Someone who I used to work with died. Raya, Hi. someone you used to work with died when you went to gym. Raya Gamora, yeah, yeah, that's it. Twenty-nine years old. I hang my hat up. Yeah, my stethoscope. I'm not one over yet. I have, I have other Macquarie's that I'd like to. But kids, uh, that's not the point. The point is that we have to create flexibility in our lives. Flexibility means doing things that we don't normally do. We become very easily caught in a rigid, in a rigid. Um, schedule, system, framework and that's often why traveling is so healthy for a person because traveling you no longer you can't predict and you can't dictate and therefore you have to create a certain element of o- openness and that's why you know the, the old world in, the, in, in Eastern Europe they used to world travel <laughs> traveling was called golos <laughs> you have all these like, great rabbis they used to go into like exile for two years you know, today that's called going around Europe Obviously, it depends on your budget. But if your budget is low, it's definitely godless. Meaning you go and you expose yourself to enormous amounts of experiences, and you can't predict, and you can't control, and therefore you have to become open and flexible. And that's really healthy. And what happens is when a person becomes flexible, they become a lot happier. Because, as we said previously, there's a very strong relationship between atzlus and atzvus. And atzvus means that you've grown yourself into an inactive state. You can't release anything else about yourself because you, come, you become imprisoned. So we have to figure out how can we escape, and I'd like to do some practical work in this area, how, c- how can we escape from our, our very narrow range of movement, both in every level, which means as follows. There needs to be flexibility on a physical level, you have to be careful when you stretch that. <laughs> it can be dangerous. Um, there has to be flexibility on a, on a personal level. There has to be on a physical level, on a physiological level. You'll be able to move your body in ways that you haven't moved it before. So it's not only in terms of body range of muscles, but perhaps you should try moving your body in different ways. Instead of your standard body language, adopt a different kind of body language. 
try wild gesticulation, for example. Why stay, no, I'm serious, why, why stop the movement of your hands in this 15 center, centimeter radius when you can become grandiose in your body movements? I'm a law. Or perhaps, on the contrary, you should, you should be more Japanese-like in the way that you communicate. Uh, I believe the Japanese have a very limited um, body language repertoire because they, they want most of their, their, their communication to be purely verbally based. So they have a very um, staid and static sense of being whilst communicating with others. So maybe I'll take the Japanese approach for a while and restrict body movement completely hard for me to restrict body movement completely, but I'll try to restrict body. And then I see there's a range. And when I see there's a range from wild gesticulation to complete frigidity, (coughs) so then I can say, do you know what? In this context, I can choose to be wild. And in this context, I can choose to be calm and restricted as opposed to just going along with it. 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 Wide range of choices. You can do it with your handwriting. You can choose the way on your right. You know, when you open up a Word, a Word document, so it gives you like 3,000 choices of fonts. Why did you choose a font when you decide to write? I mean, those of you who still write with pens and papers. But you can choose a font. You can choose the sizing of your letter. You can choose how far it is away from the margin. You can choose if you'd like to skip a line. Every single choice your computer gives you, your brain can give you as well. Do you know that? So why do we always write in the same way? Choose. Say maybe for this particular document, a different style of writing is appropriate. Maybe a different size. Maybe I'll have this grandiose title. Maybe I'll do a border on the side. Lama law. That's in your... Every, every part of our life, we live in these tiny, narrow tunnels of existence. Our writing has to be like this. Our body movement is like this. And our speech, what about tonal inflection and the pace of your speech? Perhaps you should, for a while, consider the stilted speech offer, speech, speech stuff. And at other times, you can speak about the rapid speech. Why not? Incorporate many more words into a single sentence. How exciting. And then you'll be able to understand that when you decide to speak at a given pace, it's a decision and deliberate, as opposed to just being, well, that's the way I speak. The volume of your voice is also available for adjustment. You can decide to speak in a soft, almost a whisper or if you choose you can raise the level of your speech to almost a shout or you can choose somewhere in between we have all these options available to us and we are so impoverished you should open up your minds and your vocal cords and your physical body and its movements and your hairstyle again with me it's slightly problematic (laughs) My hairstyle, I can choose polished or unpolished. 
It's an awfully limited view of your options, isn't it? Ah, I like your creativity. Let's talk. <laughs> I can grow a gigantically long ponytail from the last remaining hairs on the back of my head. hundred percent. Different colored keepers. Why should we restrict ourselves to this narrow monochromatic dress code? Why don't we spread out and wear all different kinds of colors? Have rainbow keepers and long flowing robes perhaps as well. Why do we become so limited and staid in the way we dress? How frustrating. Or perhaps... I suggest an even greater achievement and challenge. Why don't we take the limitations and expand from within? And even though we're wearing black and white, let's adjust the size of our collars and the blackness of our pants. (laughs) So where do you draw the line from just spreading your wings to turning into a full-out hippie? So, I mean, again, you implying that there's something negative about becoming a full-on hippie? Like, I think that's where we're going for. <laughs> what I'm doing here is I'm not, I'm not trying to hippify you. What I'm trying to show to you and to myself is that there are many more options in every dimension aspect of our life that we even take into consideration. When you think about speaking, you don't think about speaking. You speak because you speak. I'm saying, well, you know you can choose the way you speak. And therefore, it could be, once you're aware of that, you have a conscious knowledge of that, you'll work out that you speak to certain people, you should speak in certain ways, and to other people, you should speak in other ways, and you'll be conscious of that choice. Even though you probably do it a lot anyway, but it's not in your hands, because it's automatic. So you're not the Adon Ba'atma, you're not in charge. We're trying to gain, you see that Zrizus is the first step, we said, in spiritual growth. It comes out from this Messiah It is also the first step towards self-mastery, being in charge in your, of your own life. Binyamin. Is the goal that everything I do, my hand movements, my speech, my tone, should all be conscious choice? Is that the goal? Or is there something beyond that that, I, that I'm able to flow naturally but in a way which is... It's a great question. It's a great question. In other words, there's, there's, there's something, you know, once a person is opened up to the array of different, just taking your example of um, speech or hand movements, there are many options that a person has at his disposal. So, doesn't it make life too calculated? And not only that, when life is run through the conscious thought processes, it goes way too slowly. Because if I actually have to think about the way I'm going to speak, it takes too long. So it's like everything else in life, Benjamin, that the initial process begins in the cognitive realm, and that's where you practice it. And then at a certain point in time, you get so good at it that it becomes becomes intuitive. But the intuition that you develop is a sophisticated super rational way of responding which is quicker than your brain can think. For example, what makes a great tennis player a great tennis player is apart from his natural talent, he spends hours and hours and hours and hours practicing a range of different shots. And what happens is when he's in the, when he's in the game, the shots come out without him thinking about it but only because he practiced them. If he doesn't practice, he never gets there. So what I'm discussing over here is the practice of life. And then when you get to, the, to living, then you'll see how it works out. You following? Right. So I was asking, 
saying communication, isn't there something to be said for just being whoever you are, just giving over your natural communication without a sort of artificial... Well, the question is, who are you and what's artificial? Mm. In, in other words, every form of conversation and communication you have, it's some expression of a form of training. The way you say the words, from a very simple linguistic perspective, you're not going to be able to speak if you didn't have someone teaching you the language. So, I understand that you suggesting that maybe there's a deeper intrinsic self that if you focus on that, somehow communication will alter, but I think, okay, that's a good point. You, you see different people have different ways that are comfortable in communicating. You know, like different people, different personality types, there's something you see. Yeah, 100%, but what I'm saying over here is that it could be if you become aware I'm not aware of the way I communicate. I can't define it into categories. When it becomes cognitive, meaning I can understand what I'm doing, I become empowered. I can now use things deliberately as opposed to just having, having them happen. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. So I become empowered with the power of choice. It's almost like you still choose to go with, just go with the flow, but you also choose not to. Say it like that. Okay, good. So what's the importance? How important is it? How important is what? Uh, to pay attention to how to move, how to speak, how It is absolutely vital because without it, you will not be your own man. You will not be cho- because you're not choosing the way that you manifest in the world. You're not choosing Maybe, what you. But if you are choosing, you have to, but you, and then you get like used to it, and then you just. Do so it. the you point don't is spend ne- time, much time singing about it. The point is the point is always to be improving your game and never to be getting used to it. A good player is always looking for new. New ways of improving yeah, his game. We have to prioritize in our life. You uh, you're right. I'm not saying that so you should. How, so I'm asking how important is it like, in terms of like, other things like learning Torah? Like, you would rather spend more time like, doing other stuff. I'm not saying that in your list of priorities should now focus for three hours in the mirror showing the variety of facial expressions that you can. And you've got a nice variety that you can produce and then use them consciously. Like, you know, the warm, embracing smile. Hi. Um, I'm just opening up your minds to the idea that we live in a state of chronic inflexibility. Don't become like robots. Don't become used to it. Don't, first of all, have that awareness. Be aware of the fact that you are in a certain way rigid, firstly. Secondly, that rigidity limits what you can do, so it becomes limiting and it becomes restricting. Thirdly, when you realize that, then you can choose not to behave in that matter. Fourthly, they will open up numerous opportunities for growth, understanding, development, which life will become a much more exciting place. Fifthly, that empowerment will rid you of sadness and grant you with <laughs> happiness. Mordechai. So it's not, you're saying it's not necessary that you need to with every new conversation interaction you have, you know, one interaction you're, you're, you're speaking this way and then when you're speaking that way. It's more so what you were saying with the tennis players that by practicing the moves, if it comes out that you want to use it, you now have the ability because right. you understand that you can do it. 
and always lose new, and always be learning new <coughs> moves. But it, it doesn't necessarily mean that every interaction has to be this, this scale of, you know, now I'm down here. Hey, it could be. If you practice enough, so what you will do is you'll respond to the interaction with a wide variety of skillful tactics. Mm-hmm. So it just happen. That's how practice works. You practice, practice. You hit a ball a thousand times, and then when the com- time comes to hit the ball in the right way, you know how to hit the ball. Mm-hmm. Everything comes together. Mm-hmm. But it's through practice. Okay? So he says, a person needs to know Now this is an interesting description of Menucha Menucha means a person is addressed What does it mean he's addressed? The Mesilta Shoyim doesn't define it as being lying on a bed going to sleep He says the rest in this world is when you become comfortable with your habits Rest is the opposite of change like you become dormant? You become dormant. Even though you're fully functioning, you do, you're doing everything, but you're just doing the same. That's mm-hmm. called state. You're extremely active. You wake up 6 o'clock in the morning every single day and you do the same thing every single day. Mm-hmm. 5 o'clock in the morning, wherever you want. But you, that's called manucha, and he says that's not what you're in this world for. You're not in this world to stay in that stay, same, that same niche. No! You're there because the truth is the most exertion comes when you have to change change is exhausting that's where the work lies that's where the work lies and when you think of yourself think about yourself as a day worker or like he says another marshal like a soldier soldiers is always poised ready for battle he's engaged he's excited he's alert he never knows what's going to happen next. As opposed to a person that goes to a 9 to 5 office job that he gets there every morning, he says, Hello, James! Hello! And just goes there onwards. Um, so I think that's really something to try. Now, practically speaking, let's experiment with this. You can choose your area of experiment. What I think is an easy one to do is to to experiment with the physical, the emotional, and the cognitive. For the physical, you can choose. Maybe you want to play around with your body movements. Maybe you want to play around with the way that you do things in terms of um, the order that you position yourself on a chair, or the way that you go to bed, or the route that you take to wherever you need to go, try a different route, try a different order, play around with your physical, physical body, your movements, move in a different way, you don't have to move in a staccato fashion, try and move in a flowy and easy way, but then you may land up as a hippie. Um, and then try to do it on your emotional level. Try to be emotionally flexible. As you get up higher, it's, it becomes harder. Try, try have an emotional diversity in your day consciously think about what your emotion is now and think okay now I'm feeling mildly happy let's see if I can like raise it up so I hit joy <laughs> okay it's not bad let's see if I can, if I can get down can I get it down to 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 melancholy 
I'm, I'm hitting melancholy, I think. Of course, when you start to play around with emotions, so then you'll see there's much, maybe a more sophisticated mechanism that you need to have things which evoke emotions. You can't just lift it up, you know, with your body, you just think and you lift it up and down. So emotions. How do, you, how do you tune out the people that just start referring to you as completely insane because you, you make your emotions go wherever you want to do it? Okay, okay, purpose, easy, but. I didn't say make your emotions go wherever they want at any point in time. I mean, uh, uh, but I appreciate the fact that you'd enjoy the thought of that. Um, just say it. <laughs> it, it could be you don't have to be around people. You can do it in the in the quiet of your of your own space. And you can think, well, can I make myself three three notches happier? Can I make myself three notches sadder? Can I make myself generous? Can I make myself stingy? Can I make myself whatever media you'd like to choose? Try try. Okay, and then in terms of thought. Try to think about things differently. Try to take something that you always thought was one way and say, well, can I see it from another way? Now, if you're learning Gomorrah, that's all you're doing all day long. That's what the Gomorrah does. You think in this way and you become absolutely convinced and now you'd be sold and then Ace <laughs> shut out the water. So then you like subscribe to the Ace and then <laughs> comes along the terrace and the, the shot is shooting out the water, shooting out the water. And then you think everything's sorted out, and then you see choices. Boom! The whole thing transformed. And then you think you've answered choices, and then you see the Akhrani, and boom! Everything. So that's what learning is that ultimate mental flexibility. Um, so you don't have to go very far for that. But emotional flexibility and physical flexibility is something we can think about and we can use. And that will free us from the bondage of habit. And that will be a, something that we could, you know, if we could manumit from that slavery, I think it would be wonderful. One example I've heard of is people who park in the same parking spot all the time. There's potential to develop like Alzheimer's with habit like that, where your memory will go. So just by doing something, you know, slightly different in your routine by parking on a different floor, a different spot in your office, will trigger a new new thinking and keep you. Hmm. Where do you drive in Shahar every day? Me. Um, <laughs> 